And I always know that when I either write something or say something out loud, it becomes real. And that's your truth. And when I'd spoken those words, I was like, okay. And then I was ready for action. In this two-part episode, I speak with Joanne Sweeney, former broadcast journalist, PR lecturer, CEO, entrepreneur, and author. This is the second conversation. And this is where we talk about Joanne's new dreams, choosing to care for a space that refused to care for her, the work of healing that experience, and so much more. You will be inspired by Joanne's journey. I know I was. And she promised to do this again in five more years. I look forward to seeing where we both are then. I'm Fanola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. As you know, I'm really interested in patterns of growth and what takes people to the next level. And I'm really curious about looking at a company from one stage and then revisiting them later. And so I have this wonderful gift for you today. We are revisiting a conversation that I had with the amazing Joanne Sweeney. I had a conversation with her five years ago because I loved and respected what she was doing in the marketplace and what she was doing for her target customers. And I reached out to her again and I said, you know, Joanne, I'd love to re because when I originally released this, it wasn't on my podcast. So I brought it onto my podcast. And if you're listening right now, you'll know you listened to it last week. Today, we come back to Joanne to see where she is. Welcome, Joanne. Thank you so much for having me back, Fanola, and giving me this opportunity to reflect because it has been a transformational five years. I was I was kind of playing with this um, idea of when does change happen? Because me and you both know that change happens in a moment and it, it also happens incrementally and all the increments build up to the transformation. And it's and I kind of then I thought about five year piece because I was kind of thinking five year pieces. Where are you about that idea of when does transformation occur, mapping it, patterning it? What are your thoughts on that? So I think that transformation and change can happen, as you said, in a moment. And I've had those moments. So, you know, you can have five seconds in your life. And at second one, you were one person. And at second five, you were a completely different person. So I think that's one aspect. But I think change is incremental. As you say, we can have intentional change or we can have passive change. I'd like to think that I'm a person that has intentional change. And I believe that that happens over a period of time and working off the compound effect, which you know is putting in a little bit of consistent effort every day and over a long period of time, you generate huge results. Um, Over the past five years, I would say that I've gone through intentional change. Did you know before this last five, I'm not actually not surprised at all that your change has been intentional. It just makes sense. Do you, 
when did you discover this idea of intentional versus passive change? I'm interesting, interested in how you've just framed that because it's really beautifully framed. It also tells me that anyone can be intentional in their change. Well, I live my life as much as I can with purpose and I try and make every day count. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but that comes from a place of having watched my life change in a moment when 28 years ago, Sophie's dad was killed in a car accident. And that night I decided not to get into the car and he nor Garrett uh, or Neil, who were also in the car with him, came home and I was spared. And I said, I'm going to live my life with intention and purpose because I have this chance. And so I believe that you either like, let life happen to you or you live your life. And so passive versus intentional. When did you phrase it though? When did you, I'm kind of interested in how you consciously became aware of the phrase. Did you, I haven't heard anybody say it. This like is the that first before. time. I, it, it's the first time I've ever said it. <laughs> you ask it. great questions. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I love when that happens. Okay. Let's have a little kind of catch up. I have to say, I listen, you know, I've listened to your TEDx a few times and I listened to it again yesterday, you know, just to prep for today. And I just went, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So please listen to the TEDx because you will be so moved and you will actually see, you'll see why, why Joanne is where she is because it's, it's ground, it grounds her purpose. It really, yeah. Can't say anymore. Okay. Let's move. Can I say something on that just because again, you, you give me these beautiful moments. Um, of reflection again and the last time I watched that was maybe about three or four months ago when somebody said to me my goodness I didn't realize you'd done it to headex I watched it it was moving and I was like I don't like watching it and the answer to that question why do you not like watching it is because I believe that's only the first part of the story and I feel a little bit I don't want to use the word fraud or that I misled the audience because it was my, and it is my truth. But there's a second part to that story and I'm going to do it on a TED stage and I don't know when or where, but just to put it out there and to give you the exclusive nod on that, there's a part two to that. Oh God, just my third uh, goosebumps this morning now already. (laughs) Wow. Oh, I just want to know more now, but you're not going to tell me anymore. Are you just going to tell me part two? Really? That's it. That's just a tease. You're not very nice, Joanne. (laughs) Okay, let's focus. Right. Five years. When we last chatted, you had a different name. You have now got, you're now Joanne Sweeney instead of Joanne Sweeney Burke. You're divorced. Sophie, who you spoke about in your TEDx talk, is married. You're actually a grandmother. Poppy is 14. My Sean is also 14. It's interesting. And in the middle of that, which would normally fell somebody, which would normally floor somebody who would then opt out of the business that they had crafted. Nobody really knew. We kind of, we knew at the end when it had happened, because I remember seeing the social media posts celebrating and you were celebrating with Sophie. It was really lovely to see the photographs. How did you manage 
to, so let me frame it again. You had pushed this, when we last spoke, you hadn't even had your first conference around public market public sector marketing pros. This is your space that you framed and chose for yourself. You were only kind of on the edge of that at that point. You had been very established as a podcaster and everything at this point, and you decided to go all in. That's how you put it when we spoke last week. Talk to us about that. So like any good digital marketer, when you want to scale up your business, you got a niche down and that's what I believed I needed to do. And so I had this intention that I wanted to scale up my business in a way where I wouldn't have have to employ a lot of people and become a manager of people. That's not my purpose. And so it took me a while to figure out what my niche was. And while it was glaringly obvious now, anyone who's going through this pro- process of transformation, it takes a lot of reflection and consideration. And I had imposter syndrome. So I joined a mastermind by Sigrun Gudjansir, the fantastic business mentor. And I spent a year in that mastermind, ultimately paralyzed while my peers were having six figure launches. And I didn't know what was wrong with me because Joanne is the queen of taking action. Um, But it was during that full year that this seed was floated to me and through conversation with Sigrun, but I didn't want to own it, that, that my niche was indeed government and public sector. I had imposter syndrome. And so I continued doing digital marketing with anyone and everyone who wanted to do business with me, but I wasn't being fulfilled. Then I left Sigrun's mastermind and I joined Chris Ducker's mastermind and it was in that year that I began to take the action. So I credit both of those coaches to my transformation and to really helping me unlock my purpose and my potential and going all in with being the global expert in government and public sector in the digital marketing space. And as I say, I've effectively written the book on it because it didn't exist. And in fact, a senior Facebook executive wrote a review of my book on LinkedIn. And I only discovered it because he tagged me and I'd previously met him because I was giving a a talk to him and his peers in Facebook in Dublin. And he said, I did not know that public sector marketing was a discipline in its own right and that it had a whole language of its own until I read Joanne's book. And that I, I hold very dear because that's what I thought. But it's not when you're in business and you're producing products and services for other people. It's not enough that you think it's what they need. The sector need to believe that they're receiving something that they need. So I really liked uh, that book review. And I committed Fanola. I went all in. And within a year, I had the Subbrand Public Sector Marketing Institute. I was writing the first edition of that book and I hosted the Public Sector Digital Marketing Summit and, of course, did a website and produced content. Hold for a second. There's so many questions. <laughs> okay. This, These two masterminds that you did, is that within this five-year period or previous to this five-year period? Oh, within the five-year period. Okay, so this is curious to me. Your, 
I don't mean to be so aggressive now. <laughs> What's curious to me is you were on the edge of that before that five year period, right? So when you were in Sigrun's mastermind, the seed had been planted, but the seed had been planted before you did the mastermind. Why? What happened? Like, we all knew you were going to do it. I knew you were going to do that. You know, I knew that from our last conversation. So we're in. So what happened in that 12 months in the. So let's talk about the imposter syndrome or. You went through that 12 months. Can you share a little bit more about that of why you didn't take action until or the seed was planted, but the seed was planted before you did the mastermind. You took action by saying, I need to up my game. I need to do a mastermind, top level mastermind, expensive, I presume, 12 months, putting time in every day. I know you watch the numbers. What was going on for that 12 months? It's very interesting. There was another lady in that mastermind. Her name escapes me right now, but I can see her. And we were in Zurich in Sigrun's place and this lady couldn't make it in person. So she was on the TV beaming in and we were, you know, all having our hot seat and putting our questions out there. And she stopped me and she said, Joanne, what's wrong with you? She instinctively could feel something, an energy dip. And I actually think it was, these were the months before I would actually leave uh, an 11-year marriage, which was a 17-year relationship. And there were, there were probably two big things to happen, but I, I didn't have confidence in myself. I didn't have belief in myself. I probably didn't have the, the spark and the energy to be enthusiastic about it. And I knew that when you commit to a niche, you need to go all in. And I was really questioning whether... I would commit and see it through and I didn't want to fail. So, and by not failing, what we do is we do nothing. So I was effectively paralyzed. So I guess, again, you ask great questions and on reflection, that was also happening at the same time. So that makes sense. That's probably what, what got me. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, be kind to yourself on this one. That's okay. But, and you've, do you feel that that was a healing time that gave you space then to be ready to be act, to act? Because I always think there's purpose to why we're drawn to different things, especially with such a big investment. And you credit that even though you didn't take action, you credit that. I kind of want to explore this because I know from how you've spoken to me that you feel there was value there. And on the if you were just looking at the facts alone, you'd say, well, that didn't work. But I think something worked for you because you value it. So what's the value? The value there is spending the time with me to unpack where my zone of genius is. I had all the evidence that I was that expert. You know, my expertise didn't come overnight. I was at, at that stage, maybe a, a 15 year career of evidence of being a broadcast journalist, a PR practitioner, a lecturer, leading a media company, um, really always going for the story that had the, the citizen at the center of it and understanding how government and policy works. And, you know, Sigrun, I mean, I credit her and Chris in the book they really, they saw 
what I was refusing to see. I didn't want to see it because maybe I wasn't ready, but they stuck with me and they had my back. And that was really important. Can I offer something to you, please? Yes. Because it's something I see with a lot of clients too. Can I offer you that perhaps, before we go on to talk about Chris's stuff, that perhaps that year was a time of embodiment to get you ready for action. Wow. That you could fully step into your own truth, that you could fully be who you were meant to be and embrace your own purpose and sit and take notice of the 15 years of evidence that you had to embody it. And the reason I offer you this, well, first of all, does that make any, does that resonate with you at all? Yes, it does. Because I love that word embody because you have to, I had to step into it and feel it and own it and absorb it before I could go to an external audience, right? And sell it. Because in my experience, if you don't embody it, so you can have the website, you can have the external trappings of it, the nice social media posts and the nice stuff looking like it. But unless you fully embody it, you won't take the action. Okay. What a nugget. I see that so often. And when, if you don't embody it, you'll end up bottling it and not taking the action. Wow. It was a year of embodiment. Yeah. Go you. Then you went and did Chris's. Thanks for that. You're very welcome. Um, then you went and yeah. <laughs> you went and did Chris's thing, which where you then took action. At that point, which is a year later, yes, yeah? so you did a year of Sigrun and then you did a year, was it a year with Chris or how long? I did a year and a half, wow. a year and a half. Cool. Can you share a little bit about that experience then? Where was the turn from embodiment into ability to take action? Where was the turn? Is there a moment you remember or was that incremental? There was a moment where I had to stop the car in Sligo driving from Donegal to Galway. So about halfway and I pulled in at the dual carriageway. And every time I pass it now, I go, oh, that was that moment where I had my inspiration. And it was a turning point and it was the January. And I'd finished with Sigrun in the December. And so I stopped the car and I needed to write it down. And I said, my purpose is to help public sector professionals elevate the standard of their digital communications in the public interest, one digital message at a time. It literally just came to me. And I was like, don't forget it. Stop the car, write it down. And then I believed it. But again, that just wouldn't come. That was simmering, right? Yeah. It was probably simmering. Yeah. Then you believed it. I believed it. That's it. I believed it. And I was able to put words on it. And I always know that when I either write something or say something out loud, it becomes real. You can have lots of stuff in your head, but until you say it out loud and you hear it with your own ears or you get a pen, typewriter is not good enough or a keyboard or your phone, you get, get a pen on paper and you write it. And that's your truth. And when I'd spoken those words, I was like, okay. And then I was ready for action. <laughs> You're amazing at what you do, but it hasn't translated into the success you wished for. You want to make a bigger impact and it's time to do something about it. 
It's time that your brand, your website, and all your messaging speak to that bigger vision you have for your business. So if you're ready to build a business that moves you, moves you professionally, financially, and personally, then this is our invitation to design your own success. Design Your Own Success is the ultimate live and in-person program dedicated to businesswomen like you. Say goodbye to endless decision-making and fragmented initiatives that never seem to move the needle far enough. Instead, spend five days in November with us and our winning team at the Brook Lodge in McCredden Village, fast-tracking your success. Design Your Own Success, five days in-person, packed with exactly what you need to take your business to the next level. Find out more at designyourownsuccess.com and register your spot today. This is Fanola and Lucy. And we can't wait to meet you there. Just to share with everybody, when we did our first chat in prep for this uh, recording, that rolled straight off of uh, Joanne's um, tongue because I loved the clarity that you had, Joanne, because it's another thing that I speak to people about a lot which is you were so clear on your purpose, that clarity of purpose. And I asked you about that because I asked you, do you feel that that is the thing that takes you to the next level, that steers your direction, that steers your focus? I I think you've answered that, actually. Do you want to say any more about the importance of purpose to people? So it's not just me telling them. (laughs) Yeah, it can seem a bit abstract, when somebody asks you, oh, what's your purpose in life or what's your purpose in business? And you might feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I can tell you, and I share this with all my business friends and whoever wants to listen, when you get clarity of purpose, there is nothing at all in your way. The rest are just little hurdles for fun to help you grow. But when you have clarity of purpose, the path is clear and I loved when I got that clarity and I feel so in flow in my business now. Mm. And I have, even though there have been challenges, I feel that I'm in the right place right now. And I know that my work makes an impact and people appreciate it. And not just for my clients who are government and public sector. And I know a lot of the public can be cynical about them and going, why are you helping them? And my answer is, well, guess what? I'm helping you. You are my ultimate customer, but you do not pay me. Well, maybe you do because you pay your taxes, but I am helping, you know, Joanne and Fanola and everybody else who is a citizen in their country who deserves open and transparent and accountable government. Um, and, And that's what I profess. And the clients that work with me share that vision and people that don't share that vision don't work with me. Yeah. I reflected on this also because... Listening back on the um, the TEDx, some would say that you you should you should be avoiding this sector because it hurts you so much. I reflected and I and I wrote in the notes to you that, and I I I have to applaud you because this is the true sense of who you are, Joanne, in that your innate bravery, your doggedness, your your trust in the world, like it's amazing to me. And here's what I wrote to you. You chose to care for the space that refused to care for you. What did you feel when I sent that to you? Honestly, the emotions just came from the pit of my stomach up to the tears in my eyes and I can feel it again. 
And it was a beautiful way to describe it. And I'm going to steal that. I'll always quote you. But can you, can you just say it again for me, please? Just say it again. You chose to care for the space that refused to care for you. Yeah. And I have a, a number of examples and stories of when that happened. And even within the last five years, you know, seeking justice and seeking so much and I still went back yeah. <laughs> and because I, I, I believe that you know an isolated incident I can't adjudicate everyone in that organization on a bad experience that I have had um, and that's also part two of the story so you've kind of you've kind of given people um, a glimpse into what part two of that story will be mm. whenever the right time to share it is but yeah, uh, thank you for that. And I accept that. And, mm. you know, if if I can turn around and be the hand that helps another person that's going to have to walk that path and it's better next time, then that's okay. The struggle's worth it. You know, and that is not martyrdom at all. That's just human, be human. I tell you. You you shared a, a a quote loosely with me last week, which was um, we can only connect the dots when we look backwards. And I Googled it and it was Steve Jobs talking about it. And I just when I look at this and your story and not just the five years, your whole story, that the, the little bit of it that I know, these are these make sense. This space just makes complete sense. These are the dots that need to be connected. Yeah. And when you connect them, the foresight that it gives you to go into your next chapter is invaluable. And I, when I go through a struggle, I'm like, stick with it. You're going to get the answers. The why will be answered. It'll become clear. You'll be, you'll grow, you'll be stronger and it will help you and the people that I care most about around me. Um, so I'm a bit, how would I say, I'm weathered. <laughs> I'm weathered to a storm. You know, I've weathered a few storms and I'm weathered to it. Um, and when you need to dig deep, I can, I can dig deep. Um, but I know that I'll be able to join those dots. Let's talk about that for a second, because we live in an age where, you know, they talk about hustle, but they also talk about overnight success quite a lot and still. and and it's something I asked you about. And it's this idea that, you know, that people are, you know, the pivot, this idea of constantly changing and all the rest of it. And I asked you, is it your experience that you really went all in because you say that yourself and you sat and did the work doggedly for that period of time in this single space to really occupy the space that had never been carved out before? Because for me, that's inspirational. Often, often people are entrepreneurs are advised against going into a space that nobody's in because it's not been proven. But this is a really great story around you found the need that wasn't been served, but you doggedly did the work. Like you have to do the work. Do you agree, Joanne? You have to do the work. There is no such thing as overnight success. Even from an X factor point of view, those people that are discovered, they've been singing in their bedrooms since they understood what a note was. They've picked up an instrument and most people are self-taught. 
Um, I always wanted to write. I was in English classes in first year and my English teacher said to me, you know, you will be a writer. I went to University of Galway and uh, a features writer for the Irish Times uh, who he was smoking in the class and he made us write a feature piece and he pointed at me. He goes, you are the person that will make money from writing. Um, and we're all trainee journalists, right? So we all made money from writing. But um, all of my years of writing and listening and studying media and all the jobs that I've had, the clients that I've worked with, that is the compound effect of where I am today. And even though I'm saying recently, because I'm in a really good place personally, I'm only getting warmed up. This is me just getting warmed up because I have headspace and heart space now to to go on the path because I see that the path is clear ahead. But you're right, not overnight. It's it's 20 years and even before 20 years of my career of being a, a young student and a, a writer of, I used to do my homework four times, right? I just loved an opportunity to write and to express myself. Um, so yeah, it's your success is cumulative and compound. And also just to be to to just dig at that point a little as well, because people are I think people are aware that it can take the 20 years and that part of your life. But in the marketing terms also, there's people give up really fast when they're marketing. They don't realize that you have to test what resonates. You have to lean in to listen to the customer, to to uncover the language that how they articulate their pain in order to reflect back the language. And that doesn't happen with a single campaign. It doesn't happen with a single, you know, uh, intervention or initiative. How would you agree? Yeah. And in recessionary times or cost of living crisis, marketing is often the first budgetary cut. And if you think about where we are now, and we're having this conversation on a podcast, media has changed. Media is in the hands of the people who are willing to create it. So not just mainstream media. We see the growth of influencers like you and I in in our sector, and you have to commit to the story and to the tribe and as you say understand what they want and like I'd have you know business mentors offering my services and marketing services and saying oh you should do this and that and I'm like my audience do not want to be targeted with ads I know this they would far rather listen to a podcast episode of mine or watch a YouTube video or come to one of my webinars where they see the authentic me, and they make up their own mind because they're very discerning because they're spending public money. And there's a whole process that you have to go through. So, and that's five years and I'm still learning and I do focus groups and I ask the audience, um, but you have to stick with it. Um, But one thing's for sure is storytelling will always win. If you can tell a great story that captures the imagination of your audience, that that will get you over the line. Fantastic. Another question that came up, I asked you, <clears throat> how often do you change your network? Because in this leveling up stage, we spoke about, you know, you can be in certain networks. And then if you, I find this trend that if you stay too long in a network, that you don't rise unless that network is designed to rise. 
and or you don't rise if you're if you're not around people who are wanting to get to this next level. Would you what are your thoughts on that, Joanne? Yeah, so I've been like investing in business coaches and masterminds for many years because as we all know, doesn't matter what discipline you're in, you need a coach and you can't be your own best coach. So I've tended to change my network or my business masterminds on a on an annual basis. I took a little break um during the divorce year. Um just because I knew my head would be in a different place. Um, and now I'm in an, an informal mastermind with three other ladies and we're on a mission to 10X ourselves. Um, yeah, based on the book, 10X is better than 2X. <laughs> if you haven't read it or if you haven't got an audible, um, and really that goes back to, to mind sh- mindset and just... Um, stretching your beliefs and your dreams to a level that you even can't comprehend. Um, because you know, and I know that it basically is our, is our mind that will stop us from achieving what we want to achieve. Here's another question for you. I haven't asked you before. Do you have a daily practice that helps your mindset? Do you know what I, this, I mean, I even realize I'm going to tell you this, but I'm going to tell you this. Do you know? Do you know what I do every day? And I've been doing it maybe for a year, and now it's instinctive. I tell myself that I love myself. Ah, oh, I love that every day. Do you do it in the morning when do you I do, do it, it when I wake up, and yeah. I do it when I go to bed, and sometimes I'll just do it when I'm sitting at my desk because I need reminded sometimes, you know. And what do you say? Say it like you'd say it. <laughs> Sorry for asking you to do that. <laughs> no. So I just say, I love you, Joanne. I love oh, you. Yeah. Do you look in the mirror when you're doing it? No, I, not necessarily. No, it's just, you know, it's, and it's, it's, it's building my confidence back up. And, you know, when you've years of somebody telling you that you're not good enough, it, it's, I, I'm, I'm trying to just get rid of all of that and be my best champion, you know, um, and, it, and, I, and I think then that people then that I work with get the best of me, you know, I bring the best of myself. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I'll, I'll just have side conversations with myself, you know, any other practices, uh, just be being present. I'm really good at that now and living for today and in the moment. Um, because I love my life now and I just love that um, reflecting that I'm grateful and I'm thankful for, for that I can be my true self now and for the people who are willing to work with me and people that are, are in my life. Yeah, I, I, I definitely practice gratitude. And journaling, I'm trying to be better at. Like I write every day, but, and I read back my journals and I love doing that. That's one reason you should journal is to look back because you'll probably achieve and out-achieve what you've written down. So I've loads of these everywhere. Um, you can see I have journals on my bookshelf here. Um, and I journal not nearly every day, but maybe twice a week and I'll I'll date them all. Yeah, I date mine as well. And I find I I journal I may not, there's periods of time where I journal every single day. And then there's periods of time where 
I need to get it out to make sense of it. And I journal it because I want to make sense of it, one. And I kind of want a record of it. I want to remember what I felt like then because I might put it in my book. (laughs) Absolutely. It's a real gift to yourself. Yeah. I have a box of them. I'm going to have a look at them later. Do. What would you like to leave people with today, Joanne? So I would like to leave people with that you are good enough and that if you haven't already received the clarity of your purpose, go and find a mentor or a coach that you trust, that gets you, that you vibe off, that matches your energy to help you get it. And it's not about doing a funnel, doing a lead magnet. It's actually about finding clarity of purpose and then let yourself soar. And if you feel that you've got imposter syndrome or your mindset is stopping you, tackle that. Because who said it? Finola, you're great with the uh, attaching the quotes. If you, oh, Robin Sharma said this one, be careful that you don't put your ladder up against the wrong wall. Yeah. Be, get your ladder against the right wall and you're elected. You're elected. I love it. You're so on brand. <laughs> Thank you so much, Joanne. It's a great, it's, it's a great Donegal phrase. You're elected. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. We'll see you in five more years. What do you think? <laughs> I will never run for politics again. It's another exclusive for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks so much, Joanne. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Joanne, check her out on LinkedIn or on publicsectormarketingpros.com. And if you'd like to support the show, please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And reach out and let me know your takeaways from this episode. What would you like to know more about? And send me a message. I'll be looking forward to it.